You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. So it's still hard to believe sometimes, babe. Um, this is Corey Allen, alongside my wife, Pam. Hey, folks. Sexy Marriage Radio. Um, that next week is the eighth birthday of Sexy Marriage Radio. It's kind of cool. <laughs> October 11th is when this whole thing started. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so here we are eight years later, Yeah. almost. Great We're one week shy of eight weeks later, eight years later, and here we are still going. That, yeah. Uh, in large part, thank you to the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation for right. helping make all of this happen because the feedback that they give, the comments, the questions... It's it's a, it's a great relationship that's been created and continues to evolve. And right, just by listening and and knowing that uh, people are enjoying the content and yep. getting something out of it and creating better lives. That's that's what it's about. And the way you can let us know that is uh, you can call our voicemail line two one four seven zero two nine five six five. You can also jump on uh, the inbox world and email us at feedback feedback at sexymarriageradio dot com or feedback whatever. feedback. That's kind of an interesting. How do you even spell that? Uh, if you like what we're doing, also, and you listen via iTunes or Stitcher or uh, Spotify or anything that that um, rate and review the show, leave a comment. Help spread the word that uh, married sex can be great and it evolves and marriages can be great and evolve and can be lifelong because we want life and marriage to be vibrant and alive yeah. in every aspect that, can, that takes place in, in your life. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio um, is an interview I had with Dr. Steven Stasny, who is an author of lots of books. But particularly where we went with this conversation is something we've not ever really covered on Sexy Marriage Radio is the whole arena of verbal and emotional abuse and how it plays out in marriage and his belief and work that says compassion is an important aspect to overcoming and changing that dynamic. Hmm. Right. And so the whole entire... uh, free version of, of Sex and Marriage Radio is our conversation. Wonderful. And then coming up on the extended version, which is deeper and longer, and there's no ads, and you can subscribe at smrnation.com, Pam and I are going to have an in-depth conversation about how meanings uh, disrupt and get in the way of desire and arousal when it comes to sex. So all of that is coming up on today's show. Joining me for uh, this section of Sexy Marriage Radio today is Dr. Stephen Stasny, who is the author of nine books. The most recent one is Empowered Love. And the reason I'm reaching out to you, Stephen, is when you're dealing with marriage and you're dealing with married life, and as that goes on with two humans most of the time, then we're talking about all kinds of different emotions that can come up throughout the course of a relationship. And sometimes Mm -hmm. those can get into some of the quote unquote darker side of things that would be where it's on the verge of or is definitely emotional abuse, verbal abuse, 
even physical abuse, but it's an area that uh, it impacts a lot of marriages. And and I'm interested in you and your take on what are some of the best things that we can do? Because when I'm, when I'm looking at your research and your work, that's an area you, you don't shy away from. And so how, how can we address that as clean as possible as married people? Well, emotional abuse is when you deliberately try to make your partner or children feel bad about themselves so they will do what you want. Okay. Uh, there are behaviors that are abusive in uh, intimate relationships that would not be abusive in other relationships. And the reason is abuse is, is basically a, a misuse of power. And when you're in a love relationship, you have enormous power over the emotional well-being of the other people in the relationships. Uh, so you've got to use that power responsibly. You can't deliberately make them feel bad about themselves just because you don't like their behavior. Okay. <laughs> or because you want them to do something. Okay. And so what about the times? Because this is what I what comes to my mind is I love the idea of deliberately doing it. But what about the times where we kind of get caught in our own blind spots or blinders of, well, I'm not deliberately doing, that's just the way they feel. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if your intention is to hurt or not. Okay. If, when you recognize your partner is hurt, that's all that's important. Your intention is not important. <laughs> uh, it, the, the trick of, of uh, sincere connection in a relationship is to focus on the hurt, not in the intention. And the irony is if you do that, you know, gosh, that hurt you. I'm so sorry. You don't have to say you didn't mean it because it's obvious from your caring that you didn't. Okay. So when you say, oh, well, I, you just feel that way. I didn't mean to hurt you. Then it seems like you did mean to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it creates a consciousness of guilt. Okay. And that's an interesting so that, realm. That, yeah. That's an interesting realm where marriage really takes place a lot, isn't it? That there's this dynamic of what we say in the secondary message built into it or what we do in the message is built into it. And so what I'm hearing you say is, how do we start to recognize the messages I receive back can be great data for how am I dealing with myself and, and the relationship? What are my, what are my, the consequences from what I do or don't do? Right. And what you're defensive about is your ego, uh, not your deeper values, your, your, we call it core value. Your core value is to protect the emotional well-being of the people you love. Okay. That is the most important thing about most people, to protect the well-being of the people they love. When you violate that by hurting the feelings of the people you love, you're going to experience guilt and shame. But the guilt and shame, if you blame it on them, will come out as resentment and anger. Okay. So what do you do when you recognize that? in your relationship. And I, I think we need to take both sides of this. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's, if you are the one that's the perpetrator of this, if you will, and versus the one that you're involved in that with, with your spouse. You know, it is not really the vulnerable emotions, the guilt and shame or fear that causes the abuse. It's the coping mechanism. Uh, and the Abusers will use what I call the toddler coping me mechanisms. That's blame, denial, and avoidance. Okay. 
we start doing that at two. You know, if a two-year-old <laughs> breaks the lamp and you yep. ask them what happened, they'll blame it on somebody. Yep. My, my daughter was an only child. She used to say, Jimmy, do it. That was her imaginary friend. <laughs> She's now a lawyer because she figured out that hey, the Jimmy defense. There you go. Very good. <laughs> make and make a life out of work, it. If blame doesn't work, denial. I don't know. And that's kind of what you do when you say, I didn't intend to right. hurt your feelings. Uh, or avoidance. Uh, the toddler will hide okay. when, you, when the lamp is broken. And blame, denial, and avoidance are what produces emotional abuse in adult relationships. Okay. It's a retreat to the toddler brain. Uh, and if you're in the habit of doing that, you'll be doing it automatically. Now, everyone has a toddler brain and everyone is susceptible to retreating to it under stress. Yep. Uh, all animals, not just humans, but all animals retreat to previously learned habits under stress. So you're likely to blame, deny, and avoid. Uh, the trick is get to the vulnerable emotion, the guilt, shame, or anxiety. Those will drive connection. The guilt is telling you you violated your core value. Make up for it by connecting to your loved one. Okay. Don't blame it on your loved one. Connect with them. Okay. So if, if you recognize that you had a pattern of, just, of, of being toddler, then you're saying don't just do that as the reaction. Try to get to the deeper, okay, what's, what, what's my feeling from that reaction? And yeah. then that can hopefully steer me and align me with my values that I've had all along. Yes. I feel guilty that, and ashamed that I hurt my partner's feelings. And if I get in touch with that, it'll motivate compassion for her. Okay. Is it, <clears throat> is that just kind of a natural thing in, in what it you found? If, <clears throat> excuse me. It is if we allow it to be, if we don't short circuit it with blame. Okay. <laughs> See the, uh, and then, uh, you know, it's interesting if you look at other social animals, when they will be, usually it's inadvertent, they will hurt each other playing or roughhousing. That motivates, they'll start licking each other. Okay. Uh, humans have evolved something as other animals don't have, and that's an ego. So when we hurt our loved ones, we want to defend our ego. Okay. With some excuse for it. Uh, and that's why humans are the only social animals who will use anger and aggression against loved ones. Okay. No other animal does that. Okay. <laughs> and it's self-protection or self-identity as far no, as the... No, it's, e it's ego protection, not self-protection. Okay, See, anger, fair enough. Anger evolved in social animals to uh, override self-protection. Okay. When you get the angriest, I attack you or your children. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Uh, anger evolved to protect loved ones. We subverted the natural function of anger uh, and transferred it from protecting loved ones to protecting the ego. Okay. And that's really why you have family abuse. Okay. And so of, because of the ego. So what's, what's a uh, spouse to do when they recognize this pattern, either in themselves or their spouse? They have to replace blame, denial, and avoidance with improve. How can I make this better rather than whose fault it is? Appreciate, appreciate your partner more. Uh, connect, you know, feel what your partner's feeling. Uh, 
or protect. Any one of those. Okay. Those are the adult coping mechanisms. But because it's a habit to blame, deny, and avoid, you've got to develop new habits to improve, appreciate, connect, or protect. I call that emotional reconditioning. And that's really what our boot camps for chronic resentment, anger, or emotional abuse do. It builds new habits. Okay. But you're going to like yourself better. Think of, uh, you know, we all have a little bit of resentment for people we love. Uh, just yeah. because, you know, it's, it's a stressful world. They could, and resentment is a perception of unfairness. Relationships can't always be fair. Right. Not every interaction can be fair. Right. It's too complex a world. Right. So there's going to be some resentment. So think of yourself when you feel resentment for your wife. And then think of when you feel compassion for her. And which do you like yourself better? Okay. Feeling resentment or compassion. <laughs> That's an easy answer. Yeah, you'll always like yourself better feeling compassion for someone you love than resentment. Okay. It's hard to like yourself when you're resentful. And that's your central nervous system trying to communicate with you. Okay. So, so do what'll make you like yourself. There you better. go. Right. So this is this is about creating a better relationship with myself through the whole thing too. Right. Because everything you resent about your partner, you could also feel compassion about. And everything you feel compassionate about, you can also resent. It depends on how you look at it. Okay. What I want my clients to see is they like themselves better when they look at it compassionately and right. they like themselves less when they look at it resentment, resentfully. Right. And also the resentment is very contagious. So if you're resentful to your wife, she you can bet your mortgage she's going to be resentful back. Right. Yeah, because it's tit for tat in some regards of I'll, I'll get what I'm getting and yeah, well, there's a law of motion interaction called uh, positive reciprocity and negative reactivity. Right. If you approach a partner or a social animal positively, about 70% of the time you get a positive response. And if you approach them negatively, almost 100% of the time you get a <laughs> negative response. Amazing how it works that way, isn't it, Stephen? <laughs> oh, well, negative emotions get priority processing in the brain, so they're always more salient. Okay. So... You mentioned that it, it's a, in some regards, it's about creating new habits. Of, yes. If, if I start to recognize that, man, I am quick to blame and, or I'm quick to deny, or I have some of those skill sets, quote unquote, that I've been following that's not really helping in the long run and in the overall it's making scope. It much worse. Right. Um, can you give an example of what would be like a habit that someone might start with that, that would adjust that process? I'll do something very trivial. It happened in my house this morning. My wife banged a dish really loud on the counter and cracked it a little bit. And I wanted to blame her for that. But I said, uh, oh, honey, did you cut your finger instead? Okay. And that made it much better. She had a much more positive response. And I liked myself better. <laughs> but, but my habit was to say, you know, would you be careful? What's right. wrong with you? What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this is just, uh, this is just almost a learned thing of just recognizing my tendency. And it's not necessarily, tell me if I'm wrong with this. It's not necessarily, I don't have that thought or that reaction. I just don't follow that through and make it the visible one. I, I go right. a different uh, route. Once your brain's developed a habit, it never loses it, but you can always extend it. In other words, the old habit, the blame, 
is going to condition the new habit of improve and you actually build a conditioned response. Now, it takes about 800 repetitions over several weeks for that to become automatic. Uh, But the way it works, like after our boot camps, after about six weeks of practice, something will occur, something will be uh, annoying or or devaluing or ego threat, and you'll just improve it. You'll make it better. And... After that, you'll think, you know, if that had happened six weeks ago, I'd have gotten really upset. Right. Here I just made it better. Right. What's happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> All these changes going on. I blame you, Stephen, even though it's a good change. So <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So if you are um, on the other side of this as the spouse that uh, is, is being treated in these manners, what's, what's the best steps for them? Well, it's the same thing. They have to look at themselves more compassionately and their partners. Now, compassion means to suffer with. It's not about behavior. They can condemn the behavior and still be compassionate to the vulnerability that leads to the behavior because a person's much more likely to change if you're compassionate than if you're resentful back. Okay. Uh, See, it's... Your choice is if you're living with a resentful person, you are almost certainly going to become resentful yourself unless you are compassionate. And that's your choice. Now, if you're more compassionate and your partner doesn't change, uh, your relationship is going to end just because uh, when you're more in your core value, you gravitate toward what raises the value of your experience and what get away from what lowers it. Okay. So if you're with a resentful spouse and your spouse doesn't change, then you'll probably separate. Okay. And so you've mentioned this a couple of different times when you're talking about when you're more to your core value. Yeah. That, that, how do you capture that? What do you, what do you exactly mean by that? Core value is the most important thing about you as a person. Uh, just think off the top of your head, what is the most important thing about you as a person? Okay. So, so it's just one of the things that really do define you as who you are. Yeah, yeah but, but I help clients with that because it's not an easy question. Right. And for your, list, for your listeners, uh, I, I'll go through the exercise. Imagine that you have children and your children are grown. And they have their own families. And God comes down and gives you a choice of how your adult children are going to feel about you. Choice A is, you know, dad was honest, loyal, hard worker. The reason I picked those three things, we used to do research on core value. And those three things always came up, honest, loyal, and hard worker. Okay. Those are important, but they're not the most important. Right. Uh, so mom and dad were honest, loyal, and hard workers. We're not sure they cared about us, but they were honest, loyal, and hard workers. That's choice A. Choice B is mom and dad were human. They made a lot of mistakes, but we always knew that they cared about us and wanted what was best for us. Okay. What would you choose? A or B? B. (laughs) See, for most people, the most important thing about them is being compassionate and caring to the people they love. Now, we know from research that's almost universally what late life regret is. Okay. Not being loving and compassionate enough okay. to the people you love. Right. That's it's almost universal. Right. That's that proverbial, you're not on your deathbed going, man, I wish I would have worked more. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. You get a little presage of that. You don't have to wait till you die. Right. <laughs> you can get a little presage of that uh, if somebody you love dies. Right. Parent or somebody close to you. Even if you had a real close relationship with that person, there's this little voice in your head. Did he or she know how much I love them? Did they know how important, did I make them know how important they were to me? Right. That's because attachment was instrumental to human survival as a species. So you always have that little doubt about it. Uh, and that doubt's going to come out usually when it's too late. Now right. is the time to prevent regret. Right. I see myself as in the regret prevention business. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad one to be in because if you can help people create a life that has less of it, and in, ret in return is replacing it with the whole idea of compassion and connection and true value that you can offer and get with other people, man, that's a much more depth of life and living. Right. So core value in a relationship is, you know, I might want my partner to do something, but I don't want her to do something that's going to make her feel uncomfortable. So I am always attuned to her emotional well-being as well as my own. Okay. But in an attachment relationship, if your partner isn't well, you're not going to be well either. Right. Right. Uh, your your emotional well-being is tied up with one another and with your children. That's the bad news is if they go down, you're going down with them. The good news, if you build them up, you're going to go up with them. Okay. So where does the world of, of building myself up to build them up go? Well, self-compassion always has to be in balance with compassion for loved ones. Okay. That means you're not going to be Mother Teresa self-sacrificing all the time because that's not really compassionate in a close relationship because it doesn't give your partner a chance to be compassionate. Okay. Compassion, compassion is the healing emotion. If To really deeply understand the hurt of your partner is to heal your own. Okay. It's not really getting compassion. It's giving it that does the healing. Right. Because that's, that's the, I get exactly what you're saying because when we receive something, it doesn't create what we, what we get when we actually give it. Right. And if you're getting compassion without giving it, you're liable to construe it as pity and start to resent it. Okay. Well, that's a slippery slope then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people get offended when you are compassionate to them because they, it makes them feel guilty and ashamed. They don't think they deserve it one and they don't think they can return it. Okay. So with all the work that you're doing, because I love the idea of, of trying to just help people recognize that we got to move out of some of these normal instinctual reactions at times that we can have that are, that are habits that are built deep down. And, and almost move it to a higher level processing of, of evolving. Yeah, but, but let me correct you about one thing. Okay. I think it's returning to the instinctual habits. Thank you. By oh. building new habits. See, the, ha the, the, inst the instinct of a child when they feel hurt is to connect. You know, they're going to run to mommy and daddy and hug them. Okay. Uh, uh, and they will continue to do that until mommy and daddy start punishing them for doing <laughs> okay. it. And okay. then they start blaming, denying, and avoiding. Okay. So it's returning to the instinct. Okay. Uh, and, and, and 
following the motivation of the guilt and shame, which is to connect. Right. And to so state the attachment bond. So summing this all up, the, the real goal is how do I learn to, uh, to view and then approach things that are through the compassionate lens right. through, through some of the ways that, that maybe we were intended all along to, yeah, to be uh, doing. And, and that we do under, uh, under emergency. You know what I always ask people to test because chronic resentment will eventually destroy a relationship. And if you are resentful in a relationship, you are almost certainly going to become verbally or emotionally abusive. Okay. Because it has a retaliation motive. You're trying, you feel like you've been hurt and you want to get back at that person. Okay. Uh, so a good way to know if you're emotionally abusive, if you're very resentful, right? Uh, you're, you won't know that you're abusive, but you certainly will know that you're resentful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So Steven, thank you so much for spending some time with the sexy marriage radio nation today. Um, and I'm, I, I want to let everybody know how can they find you and more of what you do, the nine books, uh, the boot camp, and the different courses and webinars, the different things you offer. Where do they find all that? Uh, the best way is at our website, compassionpower.com. Okay. And that'll all be in the show notes. So, Stephen, thank you again for your work and for your time today. Well, it's interesting because if if I think about the the two different aspects of our show today, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's basically two different shows. Yeah, it really is. Because they don't really play off each other, although they could. Mm. Um, But thank you again to Dr. Stasny for jumping on and dealing with a topic that, man, it's a tough one to deal with Mm -hmm. when you're just talking about some of the the real pain and struggle and icky side that can play out in married life. Yeah, how mean we can really be. Yeah, so uh, kudos to him and his work. Mm-hmm. Check out his work uh, if you want more. Um, and if you want more Sexy Marriage Radio, jump on smrnation.com. Join the Academy. And if not, show up next week too. Listen to what we got going on. Yeah, I'd love <laughs> to have you listening. So this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.